ESPN 97.5 and 92.5 proudly present The Killer Bees. Definitely a fan of The Killer Bees. Don't sweat the technique. Now from the Veritex Community Bank Studios, bring you the fastest three hours in Houston sports radio. Here's Joel Blank and Jeremy Branham. Ooh, what up, H-Town? Hey, how we doing? He's Blank, I'm Branham. It's Brian McDonald behind the glass, and it is a Taco Tuesday edition of the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. I invented that. I invented Taco Tuesday, not LeBron. Don't let LeBron fool you. It was my invention. Uh, Things are happening in the NFL, Blankers. You've had franchise tags being reported. Uh, You've had general managers saying, yeah, we're not letting that guy get out the door. Uh, We're hearing some things. And we also had D'Amico Ryans, coach of the Houston Texans. He talked today. We'll get to some D'Amico sound here in a second because Twitch clamors for D'Amico sound. Twitch loves D'Amico sound. And we want to give the Twitchers what they want. D'Amico sound in a little bit. Uh, How about this quote from... uh, this was from this was from D'Amico Ryan's a little bit earlier talking about John Grenard. Uh, basically said we'll see when it comes down to John Grenard free agency. Uh, he said he had a really good year. They like him. Blah blah blah. No mention of that grade one sprained ankle that forced him to miss <laughs> the final two weeks of the regular season. They didn't they didn't come up for some reason. Uh, but our friend DJ Bieniemy, who covers the Houston Texans, covers the NFL. He told he said that one NFL executive told him that John Grenard could command 22 to $24 million in free agency. Aaron Wilson, who's all, almost always right, just not D'Amico and where he wants to coach, <laughs> he said common financial ground between top free agent John Grenard still being actively pursued as free agency approaches, both sides highly motivated, but his market may overwhelm shared desire to extend his contract in Houston. I'm 30% John Grenard's back with the Houston Texans. Yeah, I might be less than that, Jeremy. I might be more at 25 and below, but just simply because if that's a shark tank, then for those reasons, I'm out. Because we talked about the fact that 20 was my threshold. And if you're going over 20 for a guy that hasn't been able to stay healthy and had obviously had his best year this last year, but you just you, you had more you had some question marks before committing. And now you're going to get teams that, again, because it's free agency and competition brings out the, the best in terms of the offers of some teams, and it's going to get up to 22, 23, 25. I'm out. Uh, there's just too many other positions to fill. This team is already too good to like overcommit to just one player coming back who was already on your roster when you could add a couple for that price and maybe become better. I just, if he gets that range, more power to him. Tip of the cap. Thanks for the uh, memories, but he's gone in my mind. Yeah, that's too high for me. Like, I'm not going over $20 million. Uh, I have hesitations with Grenard anyways. He's had one really good year, two good years, and has been relatively injury-prone in his career. That's a lot of money, uh, more money than I'm willing to spend on on John Grenard. Power to him if he gets that. He gets that. I don't think Casario is going to pay that either. And you're probably you're, you're right, maybe 30% uh, is a bit high when it comes to, uh, to John Grenard. Uh, the next one from D'Amico, he was talking about his running back Devin Singletary and look coaches are going to say good things about their players uh here was here was uh D'Amico Ryans on Devin Singletary and his performance this year yeah, very pleased with Devin I remember sitting in a free agent visit with Devin and just man his personality his demeanor it was a guy to work with right away right Devin is made of the right stuff he's a hard worker he's a leader he shows up every day in practice with a great attitude and the guys around him feed off of that Right, so Devin was a great guy. We'll see what happens in free agency, but we'd, we'd love to have Devin back just because of what he brought to our team. He was uh, he was definitely a bright spot for us in that running back room. Look, Coach Speak, yeah, you know, D'Amico's going to coach Speak. D'Amico will give it to you like it is, but he's not going to say anything bad about Devin Singletary. He's going to say good stuff, just like he said good stuff about John Grenard, uh, just like he said some good stuff about Dalton Schultz. But does bring? Let's assume that they do bring back Singletary. You know, there's three and a half million last year. You know, maybe he can get upwards to five million dollars. Let's say it's in that range for Singletary: three and a half, five million. Texans bring him back on that AAV. Does bringing Singletary back impact what you do in free agency at the running back position? Not necessarily, because I think that we've seen, and, and you look across the league and look at Miami, who had really good running backs, and other teams where you need more than one running back. And even I saw it happen all the time in Green Bay with Dylan as well as Jones. 
you need more than one running back. And we know that Singletary is not the kind of guy built the way that you would expect him to be your workhorse going between the tackles. He can. He's had great games. But he has a lot. He, he his, his elusiveness, his shiftiness also brings a lot to the table. So if it's him and you still are able to get, maybe it does kind of preclude you from going after the top of the market running backs. But there, as we talked about, for about $5 million less than Saquon's going to get, or maybe Josh Jacobs, you might still be able to get a guy that complements what Singletary brings to the table, and now your running back room is better. So it would it would impact free agency. Because uh-huh. if you bring him back at three and a half, five, maybe position. it crosses off the top three players at running back. Um, because I, the, where I was going with this, and look, D'Amico's going to say good things about Singletary, but assuming they sign him at three and a half, five million AAV, does that take you out of the Barkley sweepstakes? I think it. I think. I mean, again, it's kind of like a a, a balance scale, right? I mean, if you're going to overspend or spend a little bit more than you thought you were going to spend at running back, then where are you going to spend less? Where are you going to not do what every what you were looking at or hoping to do when free agency opened up? I mean, is there other position groups where you're at least deep enough that you're you you could trim a couple million off of that to kind of make sense of of going still top of the top of the market free agent running back and bringing Singletary back? I don't know how they think about that. But to me, if I'm bringing Singletary back and he's making more than he did a year ago, then I don't think that I'm going to be in the market for a Barkley at the top of the list. Yeah, I tend to agree. I think that if you bring back Singletary, it takes you out of the the Barkley. And, like, I don't think Josh Jacobs is getting um, any run around here, and and rightfully so. Like, I'm not in the Josh Jacobs train. I don't want him here. But I think it takes you out of the top two, top three free agents if you were to bring back uh, Singletary. Um, We've talked a lot about receiver because we we think that the Texans need a third receiver. Nico, you have Tank. You need another, you know, player to put into that trio. Robert Woods under contract, not that guy. Mechie and Hutchinson not that guy for whatever reasons. Maybe they can play into that guy, but they're not there yet. Uh, D'Amico was asked earlier in Indy what the Texans value in receivers. With the receiver position, we're looking for guys who are separators, right? Who can separate, who can find a way to get open, right? And if you have that one redeeming quality that you can separate, right, that's what we're looking for, especially that shows up on third down, right? How do you win third down? How do you stay on the field as an offense, right, and continue to produce uh and move the ball down the field, it's about third now, right, and being able to convert. And the way you convert is guys who are savvy enough to find a way to always get open. So that's what I heard there, Blankers, is that they want guys that can separate. Yeah, no, you're right. And I think that I was trying to think about it when he was saying that, going, well, there's a little bit. I mean, sometimes Schultz didn't come up with all of them on third down when you needed him to, and sometimes they did and sometimes they didn't. I get it. Um, I think overall – when we looked at the big picture for this receiver room going forward, as much as you've got the potential of Hutchinson and, and of Mechie, I, I think we, we both would agree that you can move on from Noah Brown, you can move on um, from um, Woods to, to get better. And I think that there are there are guys out there where you can get better. You can get you can improve and be in the same ballpark of the salaries you were going to pay to those two guys. And that's where I think they're going to look to improve just on the just the overall kind of track record and quality of player with what they have left in the tank as opposed to Robert Woods, who, you know, respectfully was over the hill, and, and Noah Brown, who's been more, more or less a journeyman. I think there are guys out there where you can improve with one or two receivers probably in the same kind of salary range and not hurt yourself too much, as we were talking about, if you have to spend a little bit more in the running back room. I think that you eliminate a couple of players whenever you hear that, though. Like, whenever we, we talk about Keon Coleman, like Keon Coleman, a guy at Florida State who isn't known for his separation, uh, but he's known for being able to catch the ball in traffic. If you had to pick between one of those two based on, one, like this is what we talk about with the offense. Like, I think that this is an offense that values separation. Uh, they don't, like, they, I mean, obviously they would like a guy who could go up and one-on-one and win all those battles, but they value separation more than they, win a guy, than they value a guy who can win those one-on-one battles. So I think you can eliminate a couple of the rookies. I think Keon Coleman's the obvious name Mm -hmm. because we see Keon Coleman in the mix late first round. Uh, We see Keon Coleman in the mix for when the Houston Texans are picking. I think you can cross Keon Coleman's name right off because he's not somebody who gets separation. And D'Amico at times will will tell us what they're looking for. You go back to last year when they talked about quarterback and things that they valued in quarterback. Precision, accuracy. Okay, well you go draft the guy with the best arm talent in terms of accuracy 
accuracy and ball placement in the draft. Maybe didn't have the strongest arm last year, uh, but ball placement accuracy is something that they valued with precision, and then they draft the guy that fits that to a T, and we saw it play out. When he says separation, I'm like, okay, well, you can cross off Keon Coleman. Uh, last year, remember whenever the, everybody was saying, oh, the Texans should get uh, DeAndre Hopkins. Hopkins is the, the guy for the Texans. They need a number one receiver. Before he signed with Tennessee, I think you can cross off a DeAndre Hopkins type. Not that he's available, right. but that type of player. Like, and maybe that's why they weren't interested in DeAndre Hopkins last offseason is because he's not a guy that can separate. He's not going to get yards on the guy that's defending him, or he's not going to find open spots in the zone. And hearing D'Amico say that, that's where they're putting their emphasis at, at that position. Yeah, it really seems like, and you think about it, even just the way that they were able early in the season to kind of protect CJ while he was getting comfortable, which was get the ball out of his hands quickly. Make sure that you have precise routes being run by quick guys that are getting that separation off the line of scrimmage that can help CJ and help the offense at the same time by progressing. And I think that it kind of leads you to believe that that's the kind of prototypical receivers they're going to look for. You're right. It's not going to be the bigger guys that can high point and really have a ton of size unless you have speed too. I think Nico is the perfect kind of combination that works in this system. So if you're looking for another receiver or two, I think you're looking for guys that first and foremost get off the line of scrimmage and run routes you know, timely to where they are going to be where C.J. expects them to be when he releases the football because we know that when he goes through his progressions, he throws a lot of footballs before the receiver has the time to turn around and look, and that's why the routes have to be you know precision as well, and I think that's probably what, they're, what they are anticipating looking for when they go out in free agency. I think this really rings true because sometimes we're, I think we're quick to dismiss anything said like a combine presser like this as just coach speak. But look at what they drafted last year with Tank Dell. I mean, that's what they what what D'Amico's talking about that in that clip is what he's is what they drafted with Tank Dell. And I think it, it, the interesting thing going forward as we get into free agency, this player might not even hit free agency because it seems like his team's coming into a, a renewed effort to bring him back. But I think it crosses Mike Evans off the list. If even if Mike Evans was available, in case the Bucks uh, didn't bring him back, but Mike Mike Evans is not a guy that gets you know, top level separation. He's a high point down the field, contested catch, you know, just out jump you sort of wide receiver, see Johnny Manziel's Heisman season. So I, I do think obviously Mike Evans, great talent, but if that's what D'Amico and the Texans value separation, Mike Evans isn't that guy. Yeah, Especially I mean, not at that AAV. Well, yeah, I think the money matters too, right? And I think that that's going to factor in as well. Mike Evans gives you a different element, a different type of weapon. But you're right. If that's what they're describing, targeting, and looking after, maybe that's another way of just saying Mike Evans and his type of receiver isn't the kind of guy we're looking for with our offense. Yeah, I, I Evans was a name that I thought of as well. I think Evans separates more than like a Hopkins, but you're right. He's more, you know, catching traffic, uh, winning contested balls as opposed to he's just going to flat out like win a route and have three-yard separation on a slant over the middle. And also, like, I think the Texans utilize those routes a lot. A lot. Like, they run drags. They run slants. They run stuff over the middle of the field where you value the fact that they're getting separation over their defender. Uh, so, I, yeah, I would throw him into the mix as well. Uh, one final one from D'Amico. This one, you know, really not that important. He's talking great things about Christian Harris, uh, but me who loves drama, loves storylines, loves intrigue. Do you think that D'Amico Ryans is throwing some shade unintentionally talking about Christian Harris here? No, sky's the limit for Christian. Christian is one of the, the fastest linebackers that I've had a chance to work with. Very explosive, instinctive player, so I'm excited. I see last year as Christian's rookie year. That was his first year, and I'm excited to see him build off of what he did last year. Do you hear some a little bit of shade in that? A little bit. I, I do. I hear a lot of shade. Yeah, and that's really not his style normally. But I think that, you know, he feels pretty comfortable now sitting in the captain's chair and after the year that they, 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 they put forth to realize, hey, look, we did some things. We did some special things. We're working on some things. This is my house now. And, and, and I like it. I like that, that he's not afraid to look back and go, hey, you know what? There's some, there were some missteps on there. Some, there were some pretty ugly moments that he obviously wasn't a part of. But going forward, there's a new sheriff in town. See, I think he's throwing shade at Lovey Smith in the previous. That's what I mean. Staff. Yeah, there's because a new last sheriff year in town. was not 
Last year's was not Christian Harris's rookie mm-hmm. year. Mm-hmm. Yet D'Amico Ryans is saying that was his rookie year, and I see that as his first year. Yep. And I don't think that D'Amico Ryans is saying that in the sense of this is the first year that I had Christian Harris because he didn't say that about Derek Stingley. You know, like he's based to me the way that I read that quote is he's saying that Christian Harris was underdeveloped as a second year pro. Yeah, this was and like- that his first year rookie year was an absolute wash, and not that he said it like in direct words. Totally didn't say it in direct words. But he didn't get coached up in his rookie years the way I heard that from D'Amico. No, this is, and for Houston fans, this is going from Steven Silas to Ime Adoka. But Udoka had the resume coming in as a previous coach where he might have been a little bit quick to, to, to put down the previous regime. But I totally, that's what I was trying to express as well. New sheriff in town, he's the captain in the chair. And the way things went at last year, now he feels a little bit more comfortable to say, hey, look. I don't think he feels like Christian Harris was developed at all his rookie year, and he didn't get the coaching he needed. And now that the, that his staff is in place, that the sky's the limit for this kid. That's some shade from Nico Ryan's. Some shade. All right, seven one three seven eight zero ESPN. A busy show. I'm, I'm going to dip out at four thirty. Call some Cougar basketball, but Blankers and uh, and BMAC will take you the rest of the way at that point. But lots to get to today. It's a cash it or trash it Tuesday, which got to get to that. Pressing Astro questions. Do we get a will of bits today or not? I guess you'll have to stay tuned for that. Have a giveaway a little bit later. Making mock drafts great again. But when we return, what must the Texans do this offseason? We've thrown out names. We talked about uh, draft picks. But in your mind, and you can take this question however you want, 713-780-3776, what must the Texans do this offseason? Uh, we're on Twitch, twitch.tv slash ESPN 97.5. We're on ESPN. Uh, we're on the YouTube. Just search ESPN Houston to find us. Joel's at Pac-Man Joel on Twitter. Brian's at Sacked by BMAC. I'm at Jeremy Branham. We are the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. Hey, before we go to the break, a word for my Favorite new indoor golf spot in Houston. Yeah, I said indoor golf. X-Golf Katie. Check them out online. X-Golf Katie, the best golf simulators I have found. They are absolutely amazing. And when Chris, the owner, was walking me through the place and showed me the simulators, it was just awesome to me because of the fact that it's so lifelike and realistic. You are hitting golf balls the way you swing on the course. You have the same kind of elements. You have all the shot tracker capabilities to tell you the spin, the direction, uh, the distance of every one of your shots. And the thing that I really love is the putting is absolutely accurate. You are putting your golf ball the way you would putt on the green, reading greens the same way, and seeing and getting the results just like you were on the putting green. From a range perspective, you can set it up that way and hit all your shots, even with your own golf balls if you'd like, by putting them in the simulator and it's absolutely fantastic and the best thing is it's also the best sports bar combination with the golf simulators that you'll find so it's like having everything under one roof and they've got all kinds of specials too they always have discounts for military and first responders every monday twilight tuesday with five dollar margaritas and mexican candy shots six dollars specialty tequila and 20 percent off simulator time wednesdays dollar wings two dollars off all whiskey and thursdays reverse happy hour from six to ten If you haven't been, you need to check it out. If you're a golfer, you'll love it even more because whether it's nighttime or the the weather isn't cooperating, you can always get golf in at X-Golf Katie. You're back with the Killer Bees on on ESPN 97.5 and 92.5. Live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios, here's Joel Blank and Jeremy Branham. He's Blank. I'm Brandon. We are the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. What must, what must the Texans do this offseason? 713-780-ESPN. The HRP listener line, 713-780-3776. We'll get to that in a, a couple of moments, a couple of texts here. Uh, 0367, is it possible to franchise tag and then trade Grenard? It is, um, it's you're not supposed to do that. It's, like, frowned upon, but they never, like, enforce it. Technically, you're not supposed to. Didn't but you see it, it happen clowning? all the time. They did. Yeah. yeah, they did. You're technically not supposed to, but the teams do it all the time, where you just tag a guy and then you end up trading him. You're sp- it's supposed to be, like, uh, I guess the honor code, where, like, you, whenever you do it, you're not doing it to trade him, but also how are you going to enforce that? Okay, yeah, right. when we tagged him in early March, we totally wanted to extend him. Uh, it didn't work out in the coming months, and now we're going to trade them. So it's like one of those things where you just can't enforce it. Look, I, I mean, you'd love to get something for him, but I mean, the fact of the matter is, is that if he if he's going to get what they're they're you know guessing right now, he's going to be in the ballpark to get. 
I mean, you just tip your cap and realize you've got money to spend that you you know that and draft picks to use that you can you you can move on as well as he can. But I mean, that's that's just credit to the player. If some team's willing to overspend like that, you know that that's on the team to to that offers him that much more than what we were projecting he he was going to make. I just can't see paying John Grenard four or five years at twenty some million dollars a year, even if it's three. You know, yeah. The um, that Spode track projection on Saquon Barkley might be an all time bad take. By the way, they had it with like twelve, thirteen million dollars. It's like okay, you're going to be about ten million dollars too short on that. And, and who right, had seven, and who had Grenard at thirteen and a half? Wasn't it uh, Spode track? I think yeah, Spode track. Spot track, sport track, Whatever. somebody called it. Yeah. I don't know what that thing's called. Uh, but, yeah, they projected him at $13 million. All right, what must the Texans do this offseason? You can take this any way you want because you have different, you know, mythologies, right? You have different mm-hmm. schools of thought. Uh, they need to go big game hunting. Oh, well, they need to spread the money around. Oh, they need to do this in the draft. Uh, blah, 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 blah. What must the Texans do this offseason in your mind? To me, it's focused on a lot of the – even when we're talking about the individual players. It starts, to me, with the defense. And it, and it starts with the fact that whether Grenard stays or leaves, whether Stevie Nelson stays or leaves, those are two individual positions you have to fill, and then you have to take into consideration D'Amico running the defense wants to upgrade the defensive line. So I think that, for me, if you just want to kind of encapsulate it all generally and say the defense has to improve, or if you want to get specific – to me, it starts with when your head coach is the, 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 in the captain's chair and he's making all the calls, the things that he said to concentrate on at the end of the year were to improve the defensive line. And, and I think you have to, whether it's through the draft and or a combination of draft and free agency, Stevie Nelson, Grenard replacements are the utmost of, of a priority. And if you're going to let Rankins walk, then you're also going to have to get a, a, an interior defensive lineman too. And then the other thing that D'Amico said was to improve the run and the run game, well, I don't think that they're going to do a whole lot more investing on the offensive line unless they draft in, in, in a later round another offensive lineman. I could be wrong, but I think that means to me the running back position. The running back position would be, after anything defensively, if I start offensively and I listen to D'Amico, you have to improve the running backs that are available to you like we talked about, whether that's a combination of Singletary and somebody else or you just decide to reset the deck and you go get one or two you know, running backs to, to reset the room. The um the way I feel about this, like uh, you mean, all those things are, are really really good, and, and I have I have my druthers, right? We all have our druthers. We all have the players that we like. Uh, it's the beauty of free agency, especially with a team that's that's good. That's <laughs> certainly like when you, we start talking some names, it's exciting. It's not Rex Burkhead's. It's not guys that you are adding to a team that you know uh, isn't a playoff team. For me, I want the Texans to take advantage of their really good players on rookie deals. Uh, C.J. Stroud's the biggest, you know, the best player on a rookie deal. Will Anderson, really good player on a rookie deal. Derek Stingley, really good player on a rookie deal. Christian Harris, really good player on a rookie deal. So you have, and then you have all this cap space, sixty-five million to the two hundred fifty-five million dollars in cap. Uh, you can go a variety of different ways. The only thing that I find unacceptable this offseason when it comes to Nick Casario and the spending, the only thing that I find unacceptable, you know, aside from foolishly spending money, like if you throw five years at Mike Evans, like that's foolish. The only thing that I feel is absolutely 100% important is that Nick Casario needs to spend like 97% of his cap space. He has to spend a majority of his cap space. You can't have all this cap space with guys on rookie deals and not spend it. And I don't really like, – I, I have my druthers again. Like, I, I rather not have Evans. Uh, I rather not sign, you know, a, a Xavier Howard. So there's players that I don't like. There's players that I do like. But it is unacceptable if Nick Casario has all this cap space and doesn't use a majority of it. No, I, I would agree with you. I mean, I've, I've been through this frustration as a Packer fan growing up uh, ever since um, Brian Gutenkus took over the team. When you are at the luxury of not having to overspend at your most popular and expensive positions, the expectation is you use free agency as a weapon, not just you know a, a tool to, refill, to fill roster spots, but a weapon to actually go strong and aggressively to make sure your team improves. Packers really didn't do that over the years, and they relied heavily on the draft, and I think it hurt them. I don't want Nick Casario to do the same thing. You can't rest on your laurels and just say, hey, we're coasting because we're in a good financial spot right now. No, this team is too good right now and has come come to the po- to point of being good 
quicker than expected, capitalize on it. You've got multiple years with CJ still on a rookie deal. Go get some players. Go make sure you maximize all the money spent out. I get it. You want a little bit of a slush fund for the middle of the season if injuries happen. But other than that, go get the guys that are necessary to make this team better. What about you, Brian? You have a must this offseason for the Texans? Yeah, uh, so D'Amico told us right after the season ended, and I think we're all in agreement with what he said, that defensive line is arguably their biggest need going into the offseason. Uh, you know, Sheldon Rakins was on a one-year deal. He's probably not coming back. Jonathan Grenard, from all the sounds of the sounds of things that's going on right now, less definitely less than 50% that he comes back. So you open up two holes, and you already needed to improve there anyway, even if you had those two guys. So I like to, and I, I don't see anything with Chris Jones as being as being remotely possible. So I, as we've gone through this mock draft pro- process and us doing the the mock drafts every day, I think we've all, anytime we've had the chance to d- draft Byron Murphy out of Texas in the first round, I think we've always used the term sprint to the podium. I think the Texans need to be willing to look into trading up to possibly secure getting Byron mm. Murphy. Because I don't think – I don't know about you you guys. I, I, I certainly feel this way, and it seems like you guys have handed at this as well. I don't think Byron Murphy will actually make it to 23. Mm-hmm. So I think you have to be willing to have the conversation to trade up. Now, this isn't something massive. I'm not talking about giving up you know next year's first or anything like that. But call teams, offer your third that you got from Philadelphia, offer one of the extra fourth-round picks, see if you can move up three, four spots, and if it looks like Byron Murphy – if he could get to 18 or 19, be willing to go up there to get him because I think that position is probably the most desperate right now to secure a franchise-level changing player. You know, guys, the thing that's interesting to me in all of this is the fact that not that D'Amico made an ultimatum or, or he, you know, he made a promise, but he wants to improve the defensive line. So you would think that some move is going to have to be made one way or another if, like you said, Brian, if Rankins is going to be let walk out the building where I thought he was actually better than what we've seen in the last couple of years and did a pretty good job. That means that you have to be better than him. That's a challenge because he played very well for you. Yeah, there were spots and times where he was out a little bit, but I was very pleased with the way he played. So I'm interested to see when they do look at the defensive line and you hear what the coach said, how does he plan on doing that? Yeah, uh, it'd be interesting to, for them to trade after they you know, made that big splash last year. But Nick Casario, he always trades. I mean, like, he, just be, that, that, how, that wasn't, that wasn't the only time that he traded, traded up. up. A ton. Almost all of them. Like, he traded up for three guys in his first draft. Nico, Garrett Wallow, I'm missing one. Uh, he traded up for t- uh, Juice Scruggs. Didn't he trade up for Mechie last year? He traded up for Mechie, yeah. Yeah, there wasn't in that. Was it in that draft? No, so, so like, that would he, be the second draft. That would have been a second. He traded draft, up for yeah. Davis he Mills too. Didn't down he? for Kenyon Green. I don't think he traded up for Mills. No, I think he sat. No, I think he sat still on Mills because then there was the reports that he wanted Mond and Mond went that pick before him. Mm. Um, which I mean, whatever. Thank I think God. Davis Mills has been yeah. better than Kellen Mond. <laughs> not that like you know, now that's a very high bar. Um, but he's a Will and Dylan son of a gun. So it wouldn't surprise me if Nick Casario has more tricks up his sleeve. I, I would be stunned. If he traded into like the top seven, uh, the oh, top yeah. ten, no, but that's not that's I not what you're looking for. for that. you're, you're looking for the teams, you know. Yeah, like exactly. if you're trading up for Byron Murphy, because I do think he's not going to be available at 24. Uh, you're making a trade into 17, 18 to, to select him, and maybe you're giving up a future third or something like that. Seven one three seven eight zero ESPN. What are the moves the Texans have to make? What is the must that the Texans have to do this offseason? Seven one three seven eight zero ESPN. The HRNP listener line. Also, T Higgins has been franchise tagged or they say they're going to franchise tag, tag them and we've heard this with some other players as well is this a tell one way or the other that the texans haven't done this yet 713-780-3776 killer bees on espn 97.5 and espn 92.5 You're locked in with the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and 92.5. Live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios, here's Joel Blank and Jeremy Branham. Joel, did you ever read Word Up Magazine when you were a kid? Word Up Magazine? Uh, no. Yeah. No. Never did? No, uh-uh. Huh. Is that I cameo or? No, what was the, what was the, the vibe of the Word Up Magazine? I don't know. I've never read it. So oh. I asked you if you'd read it. Oh, because it must be an old reference. not. Well, Biggie read it. We know that. How do we know that? Yeah, Biggie read it's, it. It's referenced in the he song Juicy. About it. Oh. Okay. Yeah. It's one of those. Right. Uh, 713-780-ESP. I thought you were cool. That's all I'm Music saying. trash rags? I don't know. I didn't read a lot of those kind of magazines. 
I'm musically challenged. That's why I was asking you. You're my you're my music expert. If I have a music question, I ask you. That's I appreciate I that. Do. I listen to the tunes. I didn't read all those kind of gossipy magazines and all that. Can you flow? Can you flow? I used to be able to very well. I, I do sometimes. Like, again, don't ask me to do this because you guys were trying to get me in one before. Well, I'm going to. But well, I can't. I absolutely, from time to time, still can challenge myself to on the fly flow a little bit. I think That's you gave me an yeah. idea for Will of Bits one day. No, I told you. I, yeah. I told Jeremy this before, BMAC, and with with Joe, I think it was. But, like, after games the next day, and truth be told, Jeremy, I mean, BMAC worked for me in in the Rockets organization yeah, for a while. way back. And I would come in the day after a game, and, and and there would be guys in our ticket department that were, like, just there for a short time, but they'd be like, dude, I loved your flow last night in the post game with the highlights. I was like, flow? You never really looked at it as of my flow, but okay. I want to hear you rap. I just want you to drop I a freestyle. I bet you do. Just, I mean, Beard used to do that. Look, I do. Look, look how that worked out. <laughs> oh, too soon. Too I'm soon. Just saying, I have I'm a not, buddy guy. I'm not, I know that there's been several guys in this freestyle. market that have decided to create wow. their own tunes and things. I'm just not that guy. Too soon. That, I mean, there's our leader for mean text. Okay, there mean you go. things that Blanker says. Uh, 4485, how about sign Chase Young and Justin Matabike? Uh, the Ravens general manager basically said Matabike is not mm-hmm. going anywhere. So that dream is gone. Now, nothing's official till it's official, uh, but that dream is gone because that, that would have been my dream signing. We talked about it yesterday. I think Chase Young's overrated. I, I want nothing to do with Chase Young. Yeah, I don't either. I, I think that you would think with the guys that he was surrounded by in San Francisco once he got there, that he would, if he truly was who we thought he was coming out of Ohio State, and then you know you can say if, whether he was injured or not when he was in Washington the one year, but you come back and you say, well, God, with all those guys around him and a guy he knows very well in Bosa, you would think that he would just go nuts, and he really kind of disappeared on the field a lot, and he's going to command the kind of money that his teammate got from the Bears once he got out of Washington, and I don't think he's worth it. I'd stay away from him. Yeah, I think he's been – he had one solid year. It was his rookie year, which, by the way, he was under 10 sacks, uh, and he's lived off of that ever since then. And, like, we think that he's good because of that solid rookie year and where he was drafted, but he's been a major disappointment ever since then. And his rookie yeah. year wasn't even all that good. Like, it was solid. It was good for a rookie, but it was his best year. And if that's your best year, like, that's not a very good peak year. Uh, so it's it's mostly just like what you like what we've thought of Chase Young than actual production. Uh, I'm not I'm not very high on Chase Young. Uh, Sixty thirty first defense, second offensive line, third offensive weapons. That's cool. I'm I'm on, like that's the thing. Like there's not a whole lot of things that can happen in free agency that upset me. Three three one LZ said that Casario told him that they leave about ten million unspent for midseason signings. Uh, you do leave yourself some operating space. Uh, that's cool. That's why I said almost all mm-hmm. of the salary cap. I understand that they're going to have to leave a few million uh, for free like moves during the season. So that's why I said almost all of it. Um, I, I know that you have to leave a little bit of wiggle room. So almost all. 8638. Saquon, three years for $30 million. It's a lot of years there. Uh, resign Kaimi. I'm in fan, I'm in favor of that. He's top five kicker. And Dalton. Or let Dalton walk and get Brock Bowers in the draft. That would probably be a trade-up. And get a high-motor inside linebacker either from the draft or free agency. Another corner wouldn't be bad other than Xavier. I think that, meant, that uh, kind of sounds like our Howard. ultimate wish list from yesterday. That seems like a lot to be able to try and squeeze out a one off season. But uh, I mean, yeah, that would be great. I just I look at some of that and I go, I don't know how you're getting all that done. And, and if you are you going to pay Kaimi top five kicker money? Yeah, I'm not. I, yeah, I, mean, I think I, that they I, value special teams. I, you're right, but I also think that they, in some ways, they 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 kind of did him a solid and. and elevated him and paid him top six kickers in the league on his last deal and he says he likes it here if they can work a solid with him that'd be great if you want to pay him top five kicker money I'm not sure that it, with where they're sitting right now that that's that that's a great decision I'd be willing to do, of all the things that the the listener mentioned there I'd be willing to do the part about uh Kyme Fairbairn I wouldn't be doing I wouldn't be willing to do what it takes to get Brock Bowers because I don't you're not getting him at 23 you're trading up to get Brock Bowers mm-hmm. And tight ends, I mean, I know there's an example this year with Sam Laporta where this wasn't true, but for the most part, tight ends, even the great ones like George Kittle, take a year or two to develop, and I just don't really want to wait uh, and spend that sort of draft capital on position we're going to have to wait on. Not I also right don't now think with you're CJ. Getting- you're also not getting great positional savings whenever you draft a tight end in the first round. Because whenever, depending on where you pick them, because it's slotted, you know, right. 1 through 32, obviously, but where you pick a tight end. You're if it's like in the top ten, then you're basically paying him top 
tight end money. Like he's in the top ten ish. Whereas if you draft a receiver or a quarterback in the top ten, you're getting incredible yep. savings because mm-hmm. you know those are premium positions. Uh, you can sign one of the top free agents uh, at the tight end spot this year for ten, eleven, twelve million dollars. Uh, if you draft one of the top ten, you're paying him roughly like eight million dollars. So you're not getting a whole lot of savings. He's immediately into like Bremax point. You're drafting a tight end. He's probably going to be a year away and you're immediately paying them above the average value for a starting tight end uh, because it's not a premium position. So, like, I, I'm not a big fan of trading up for Brock Bowers either. Like, if I'm trading up, I need to get a, a guy at a premium position, and I would say that a guy who can get to the quarterback from the defensive tackle spot is a premium position. Agreed, because uh, what are you giving up in order to trade up to get a Bowers, especially because if it's, if it's a day-two type pick, then you're probably giving up a guy that's going to be fighting for a starting spot – that you need right now based on how you fill all the holes you're going to have. And that was what was good about last year's trade-up and then just the draft in general. And I know that it sounds like I'm talking out both sides of my mouth here a little bit. Um, Like Stroud, you draft him at two. Cool. That's incredible positional savings. You trade up. Now, it was a lot to trade up. That's a fact, not an opinion. Now, it worked out, and they stood on the table for Will Anderson because they loved Will Anderson. They were willing to pay the overspin because they believed in the prospect, and they were right. The, the beauty of it is that's another premium position. Like, if they did that for a tight end, like, okay, well, like, even if he's good, you're already paying him top of the market. Whereas if he's a defensive end and he's good, you're getting an incredible saving. So that is, a, a, like, a benefit of that trade or a positive of that trade. Uh, T. Higgins looks like he's going to be franchise tag. They've all been reported. Like, he can't officially do it yet, but I actually might be able to officially do it. He's going to be franchise tag. We mentioned Matt Abike is going to be franchise tag. Chris Jones, maybe. Actually, I don't think Chris Jones is. Uh, but a few of these other players have already come out, and it's been reported that they're going to be franchise tagged. The Texans have not done this with anybody. I think Grenard's the most uh, likely franchise tag possibility. Not that they would do it, but the most likely. And then Dalton Schultz. Apparently, Kyrie Fairbairn has a clause in his contract somehow where he can't be tagged. Like, hmm. how does a kicker get that clause in his contract? That's, uh, that's GM Bill O'Brien. Yeah, it's probably yeah, I right. Think, I actually, I think I think it was with the restructure actually with Casario. Well, because Bill O'Brien, member was the guy that did overpay him. On yeah, this last deal. But I think it was the restructure. Maybe you're I think right. it was to get him to restructure is that they couldn't tag him, which is just weird. I've never heard of Justin Tucker might be the only kicker on the thing. planet that could get the can't be franchise tagged clause or yeah. should. Like it's pretty popular to to tag a kicker, but it to have that in his contract is bizarre. Yeah. Really weird. But anyways, a bunch of these guys are being tagged. Is is it a tell one way or another that the Texans have not tagged anybody? I don't think so. I think that a lot of it's going to go down uh, after the as they as the combine unfolds. There's a lot of got league officials. Everybody's in town. They're all going to be talking, and I'm sure they're going to gauge the interest on the guys that could potentially fall into that that tag. Whether it be Fairbairn, whether it be Grenard, uh, I think, and and maybe Schultz, but I doubt it. But if you're going to say three guys that might, they, they'll kick the tires a little bit. They'll talk to people. They'll talk to the representatives of the players. Try to figure it out. I honestly think that they're not going to tag anybody. I think they're just going to take their chances, and they believe that if if Schultz walks, they can replace him. If Fairbairn walks, they can replace him. And if Grenard walks, they can find ways to replace him. I think it is a tell, though. I, I think if they were gonna if they were gonna tag one, I think they would have already been either reported or like come out and talked about. Because today you had D'Amico filled questions about John Grenard. Uh, tomorrow Nick Casario is going to talk, and you're going to field questions about John Grenard. I think that they, if they had the intent to tag him, I think we would have already know about known about it. I, I tend to I tend to agree with that because I mean really what the franchise tag is, uh, tag is is just leverage right it's leverage against you know you agree to our terms or we're going to franchise tag you so I think the Texans are probably still negotiating with Jonathan Gennard or just trying to get a feel for what he's going to want on the open market but yeah if you're willing to play you know your ace in the hole and use the franchise tag to kind of gain the leverage and control the negotiations I think you would probably want that publicly known but maybe this is a good faith way of, of keeping Grenard happy by not putting that out there can I push back on that a little bit to, to say that in in my mind if you go out and you talk about Grenard and or you talk about Grenard in the franchise tag then you're almost admitting that at least for one year he's worth 20 some million dollars a year and, and that puts you in a precarious spot then anyway with the agent and, and the situation uh, it depends on if, if you're 
confident that you're going to extend him, right? Like, you might not think he's a $20 million a year player, but you're willing to overspend for one year as opposed to three. So it but, kind of depends on where you're at with the player and maybe even where you're at in negotiations. Because if you're, if you're Gennard's agent, you come back and go, well, if you're willing to give him one at 20-plus, let's talk about two or three at just slightly, you know, at 20-some or 20, you know, 21, 22. I don't think they want to pay him that for one, let alone for two or three, and I think that that's a dangerous proposition if you well, start I think, talking I think you're talking. I think you're talking more about the possibility of him being tagged. I don't think he's going to be tagged either, but no, I think I'm, the fact that we don't know anything yet is a, is a major clue that they're not going to. But I'm saying if, if D'Amico would have said it or Casario says tomorrow, yeah, we, we've talked about John Grenard and the possibility of the franchise tag. Well, the light no, go- I, I mean, you would have done this beforehand. You would have done this before they ever talked. Like, you would have leaked it to like whoever you're leaking it to that you're going to tag Grenard. Okay. Yeah. I, I just, yeah, I don't think they were going to, first of all, they, I don't think they like to talk publicly about anything anyway, but uh, they don't. I, I think true. that, yeah, if you do start bringing up that conversation, if I'm the agent, I go, well, let's talk about that. Let's talk about franchise tag numbers for my guy. But the, but the agent also can't reject the franchise tag. Like you can do, right. a, you know, you can hold out, but that's, that comes with some, you know, fines and stuff too. I mean, if you're going to hold out for, you know, parts of the year in games, you're going to be out money. Yeah, I'm so, just going hypothetically like, the, like they talk about it, but if they don't end up doing it, but if and then they want to engage in any kind of conversation, I think I'm starting with, well, let's talk like that franchise franchise take type money. Yeah, maybe so. 713-780-ESPN, HRMP listener line, 713-780-3776. Are we sleeping on a few of these free agent receivers? Been a several that we've not talked about. Are we sleep? On some of them. 713-780-3776. Killer Bees, ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. Now back to the Killer Bees. What's he saying about bees? On ESPN 97.5 and 92.5. I don't know. He said he was, like, protecting the hive. Broadcasting live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios, here's your resident beekeepers, Joel Blank and Jeremy Branham. Sadly, Jason Statham was unavailable. I'm a beekeeper. I'm embarrassed to say I don't know the reference. I don't oh, know. Do you know the not, reference, you're, you're not a Jason, Jason Statham guy? I, I know who Jason Statham like Jason is. Statham. It, it's his most recent movie. It's actually out in theaters right now. It's called a Be- The Beekeeper. Oh, really? Yeah, it's called The he, Have you he, seen it? Yeah, yeah, I saw it. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a Statham mark, so I saw it like the first week in the theaters. Uh, without What did you say? You're a what? A Statham mark. Come on, you're a wrestling oh, you fan. You know him. the term mark. No, I didn't hear the first part. Okay, I didn't know you were gotcha, saying his name. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, I, yeah, I'm a mark for Statham, so I saw it pretty much right away. First, maybe second week, but at least by the second week, it might have been first week. Interesting. I like that. That's good. That's good work there. We 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 didn't get that work in the past. Yeah, shout I out like to Michael that. Carroll for that one. He uh, he's also a big fan of the movie, so he put that one together. I got you. 713-780-ESPN-HRMP listener line seven one three seven eight zero three seven seven six. Are we sleep? on a few of these free agent wide receivers that are out there. We've talked about the big names. Uh, we talked about some of the names that we love. We talked about some of these value guys. Uh, Randy Mueller, friend of the show, former NFL Executive of the Year. Uh, I'm going to be the 2024 Executive of the Year, as we all know. He listed his favorite free agents, and then he ranked them based like by position. Like He, he has his top 150 or whatever, and then he, he broke them down by position as well. The receiver spot I found to be fascinating uh, with his rankings. And this is a guy who, again, was a real NFL executive of the year. I'm just a make-believe NFL executive of the year. So this guy knows what he's doing. Like this guy, he's, you know, he, he doesn't have a job anymore. But he used to. He used to have a job as a general manager and did pretty good things. You want to go 1 through 10 or 10 through 1? Your call. I'm going to go 10 through 1. Okay. Count it down, reverse, uh, reverse engineer it here. Number 10, he has Hollywood Brown. Which I, I like Hollywood Brown. I think Hollywood Brown would be a fit here. We played that stuff earlier from D'Amico mm-hmm. where this team's looking for separation. I think Marquise Brown is a separation type of guy. He's quick. He's fast. Now he's a little bitty. Uh, 5'9", 180. He'd give Tank Dell a run for his money on who's going to weigh the least. Uh, but I'm, I'm a fan of Hollywood. Now it's going to come down to price. And he has him 10th on this list. So it doesn't seem like he thinks all that highly of Hollywood Brown. Are we going to the the latest iteration of the Smurfs? I mean, it, I, I'm not as big a fan. Separation, because, baby. Yeah, I don't want. I don't want another small receiver. They need another interior small. wide receiver Blankers. blocker. I mean, that's what Blankers really is need. sizest. 
He's I'm your not, sizes. I'm not. I your just, sizes. I want variety within my receivers, and and I don't want. And I'm also not a big fan of Marquise Brown anyway, except for the fact that he just loves to run go routes. But uh, I, I would pass on Marquise Brown. Sizes, blankers. Uh, if you can get him cheap, I'm in. I'm, on fa- I'm in favor of that because I, I do think that he's a weapon. Now, BMAC, what you said about little guys blocking in the box—that is a hard no for me. No, yeah, that we is need, malpractice we need for an offense We need Tank and Hollywood both blocking inside the tackles. I think. I think we're ahead of the game here. And maybe delete your account. Yeah, maybe on days when there's no contact at practice, but we don't need that on on a goal line play. No, re- sure. release your fullbacks and have five seven wide yeah, receivers no, blocking okay. inside. <laughs> That would be a weapon to have Hollywood Brown lining up as a fullback. DJ <laughs> Bieniemy, I think, would be okay with that. The uh, anyways, I would be fine if Hollywood Brown is part of your trio, but I, I don't want to spend very much on Hollywood Brown. Uh, it would have to be one of those things where you're getting incredible value, and quite frankly, I don't think that's going to happen. No, I, I think somebody is going to throw some pretty good money at Hollywood. If he wants to replace Noah Brown, great, but he's not going to settle for that kind of money, so I don't think it's going to happen. I mean, he he could be forced to settle for that kind of money if no one's willing to pay him. But I do think that somebody's going to end up paying him something, something that takes him out of the Houston Texans price yeah. range. At number nine, he has Curtis Samuel. This is one that intrigues me because Curtis Samuel really has never had a quarterback, but he's always been solid. He's always been 60, 70 catches, 600, 800 yards. He can run the football a little bit. I kind of think that he fits the mold of mm-hmm. a receiver who can actually run the ball a little bit, uh, kind of like Debo Samuel, poor man's Debo Samuel. But I also believe that he's a guy who can create separation. Uh, he's kind of where – he's kind of what I just said about Hollywood, except I don't think he's going to get paid like Hollywood. So I think this is actually doable, like a valuable – like a value that is also a valuable receiver in what you want your trio to be. I think he's the prototypical receiver D'Amico was talking about. And when you look at the market, you look at a guy that I think all three of us have have a lot of interest in and believe that he could be a really good fit here. And as you mentioned, it could be a chance for him to shine and really kind of not necessarily prove himself, but take his game to the next level with a quarterback like CJ, with an offense and an offensive mind like Slowick. He could be the perfect fit for this offense. I would be extremely interested in Curtis Samuel, and if that's a guy they're targeting, I would love to see how that progresses. Yeah, I'd be, I'd, be, number- I'd be all over Curtis Samuel because, I mean, what, what, what we hear in segment one from D'Amico talks yep. about separation, talks about – Jeremy's mentioned the Texans run a lot of, you know, drag routes and short, you know, cross-field cross, cross field routes uh, over over the middle. Uh, Curtis Samuel, that's that's what he specializes in. Obviously, compared to some of these other names, you know, the Calvin Ridley's, the Mike Evans, and those those guys, obviously T. Higgins, but now he's off the, off the market – He's also also going to cost a whole lot less, so it doesn't prohibit you from doing other things in free agency. Jason Statham or Curtis Samuel? Ooh, Jason Statham. <laughs> Texan or Give me Curtis Samuel. <laughs> Give me Curtis Samuel. Actor Number eight, push. Odo Beckham. We OBJ don't need to waste time. Pass. Beckham, Goodbye. Right? Pass. Goodbye. No wasting time there. No. Uh, seventh on his list is Gabe Davis. I saw. I've seen a lot of Gabe Davis slander the the last few days. Uh, Gabe Davis like said goodbye on social to Buffalo fans and posted some numbers and some people were saying, "Well, those are Josh Allen stats, uh, not Gabe Davis stats." Well, the good news is you have a better passer in Houston than than he did in Buffalo. I'm in favor of Gabe Davis. Me too. I like the idea of Gabe Davis in Houston. I think he'd be a really good fit again. I think that he's the perfect kind of prototypical combo platter that that could fit and appease all parties on the Texans coaching staff and with their quarterback. I think he would be an upgrade on what that what they have that uh, is probably moving out the the door. He's got experience, and I think that he could flourish in this offense. And for a guy who's a sizist like you, he's 6'2", 225. <laughs> okay, that's right. There like, you he's go. got some beef. Damn right. He's got some size to him. Uh, and I think he can play a little bit in the slot, too. Like, I, I think he'd be a, a real weapon of what the Texans have. Josh Reynolds. This is a name we haven't talked about at all. Former Aggie. Mm-hmm. I guess once you're an Aggie, you're always an Aggie. 40 catches last year, 608 yards for the Lions. Spent the last two and a half years there. Uh, Reynolds moved the needle at all for you? I think he's okay. I think he could be an upgrade over a Noah Brown. I think that I don't think his price is going to be too too high. Uh, obviously, he had he had uh, a dropsy or two in the playoffs, but I think that I think that this is a guy at the right price that could be a good fit with this offense. Yeah, I would be disappointed, honestly. Yeah, that wouldn't excite. I'd be me. disappointed if this was. Yeah, me either. It wouldn't move my needle at all. Yeah, it definitely wouldn't uh, move my needle. He, he's he's been a fine receiver. I mean, he's had some flashes. Uh, basically everywhere he's been, both with uh, the Rams and the Lions. But, yeah, he's 
I don't even know if he has the capability of no. I mean, we saw Noah Brown have two really huge explosive games. Obviously, wide receivers were missing from the room at that time, so he had more targets going his way during those two games where he exploded. But I don't. I don't even see Josh Reynolds as having that sort of you know capability of exploding. So. I don't even know if he really fully replaces Noah Brown. I think he's a fine. I think depth. he replaced Robert Woods. I think yeah. on the Chiefs. Yeah, that, yeah, exactly. I'd be fine with him as a Robert Woods replacement if he's your wide receiver four or five. But I don't think you expect anything more from him would be reasonable. Yeah, I don't like him as a tree as one of your top three. I'm surprised he's six on this list. Uh, we've spent a lot of time talking about Mike Evans at number five. Like I'm out. we've we've talked about that. Yeah, T- yeah like I think. Brian's probably higher than us on him. Uh, T. Higgins off the market. He was four. Michael Pittman. Now, I, now Indy I has have talked a hard about time franchise tagging him. Yeah, I haven't seen anything official. Like, I haven't either. I don't think he gets out of Indy. Yeah, I don't know I don't how they can so let either. him go, especially with the fact that you're grooming a quarterback. And, and even if you're not grooming one, he was a hell of a, of a, a safety blanket for Minshew last year when you didn't have the guy you were grooming. I think he's got to come back there. The um, would you would you be willing to give Pittman more money a year than uh, Evans? I, I mean, just, age right yeah, away. I mean, for, for I'm just, just talking about AAV though. Yeah, I, I, I think from an overall contract, it's a no brainer. But I'm talking about just AAV. Yeah, AAV for next year. I I, I just I, I don't think they're in a position to do that, and they've got receivers enough that they don't have to do that. I I don't want to do that. I wouldn't. Mind yeah, from a Texas perspective, the- I wouldn't. I wouldn't from a Texans perspective, but if I'm a GM, I'd rather give more money per year to Pittman Younger than Evans. Guys. Yeah, I, I agree with that. If it's not the Texans and just, you know, Team A looking at both guys, for sure. The AAV for Pittman wouldn't bother me. I just think it's a little bit redundant with he and Nico. They feel like kind of basically the same receiver. I'd rather uh, get a different type of receiver and get a different skill set to maximize, you know, having them all out there at the exact same time. Uh, Calvin Ridley, he's number one. I just jumped uh, over one guy because I think that the interesting name is at number two. Uh, I pass on Ridley, too. I don't want to pay Ridley the money. I put a lot of emphasis on the two games he played the Texans because that was the only game I watched him play every single snap. I was underwhelmed. I didn't like his route running. I think he had a whole lot of quit in him. Uh, I just I I was not interested. Drops. Maybe he dropped that ball in the end zone like a dime from Trevor Lawrence. Number two is shocking to me. Number two is Darnell Mooney. Of the Chicago Bears, 31 catches last year, 414 yards. The year prior to that, 40 catches, 493 yards. But the year prior to that was his career year, an 81 catch season, went over 1,000 yards. Does Darnell Mooney do anything for you? Not really. Not me, and I've seen him play a lot because of the fact that he, he played the Packers, you know, and, and I watched him a lot. And granted, the last two years with Fields, maybe you can put some of that on the quarterback. But to, when I look at him, Prototypically, with what the, what with D'Amico saying that they're looking for, he fits the bill. I think he's quick. I, I think that he can cr- create some separation. But overall, to me, I, I just I haven't been impressed with his his game and and going up and you know, catching balls in traffic and, and and you know his hands. I would say no, I'm not interested. But I, I I understand there's a case to be made by maybe he gets better with a better quarterback. I was stunned to see him second on uh, Randy Mueller's list. Uh, which kind of makes me like take another glance at him. I, I do think you're right that he fits the mold of a a guy who creates separation. He's good in space, that sort of thing. He, he definitely didn't have a good throwing quarterback, but he's been pretty dreadful these last two years. Doesn't Mooney uh, being it, ahead of Pittman, Higgins, and Evans need to weird. land on Bad Take Boulevard? Yeah, I mean, let, we got to see it play out. It's a hot take. It's, it's not a, a bad very, take yet. It's a scorching hot take. It's not a bad take yet. It is a scorching hot take. I can't believe that you had Mooney ahead of Pittman, Higgins, and Evans. Like Maybe he's throwing value around here a little bit. If Mooney's one of your top three guys, it's kind of what I said about Reynolds, where it doesn't move the needle. But if you get Mooney on a super cheap deal, maybe he does have breakout capability because he hasn't played with a quarterback in a while. Yeah, maybe. I think that's the only thing you look at. I don't think he's going to come super expensive either, but I, I just I wouldn't be relying on Mooney to be a game changer in this offense. I just haven't seen anything that's indicated anything close to that. 713-780-ESPN. Any of these receivers that we've been sleeping on that you like? 713-780-3776. Let's make mock drafts great again. And how are we making the Texans better? It's the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5.